One of the greatest stories in the Old Testament, with New Testament and current day application. Next on Truth For Today with Pastor Phil Howard. As Old Testament stories go, I think this one is probably right on top of the list. David and Goliath. Hi, welcome to Truth For Today with Pastor Phil Howard from Valley Bible Church in Hercules. Our series, simply called The Life of David, continues today. We're in 1 Samuel chapter 17. Courage to face life's giants. Now, while we have an amazing story of David and Goliath, there are some current day applications that we'll take a look at over the next two programs. Join us. Here's Pastor Phil Howard with today's podcast. We come to one of the greatest uh, stories in all the Bible. I, I think every Sunday school teacher, uh, if you've ever taught the Bible, you ought to jump to get to do 1 Samuel 17. Let me say something just uh, that's interesting. Uh, never think it's in vain to teach the Bible stories. As preachers, we ruin most of them because we get up and say, let me show you four homiletical points about this, and most people can't even spell homiletics, and they don't know what it is, and we get these four points that everyone quickly forgets. The thing you never forget is the story. You may not know all the meaning of the prodigal son's story, let's say, even if you were unsaved and you heard the story and you can tell it right, it will forever stay with you. And I've got about six points that I'm going to derive from this story. But you know what? On a a story that I've known all my life, I've typed 16 pages worth of notes just on the story. Single space. I'll sell them to you a dollar a page. (laughs) And I thought, this is one of the simplest stories in all the Bible. But all the the, the messages, the the implications, and I I just finally uh, grabbed four pages and left the others in the office because I would quickly embalm you. And, uh, uh, but I just thought the story, the story, God gave the story. It's a true story, and there's something about it. And I thought we would focus for your own life on uh, what to do when you face impossible situations. Here we've got a story of David and Goliath. Uh, here we go back to Israel. Uh, In chapter 8 of 1 Samuel, Israel said, uh, even after God had delivered them under Samuel in 1 Samuel 7, they said, uh, yes, Samuel has erected Ebenezer, if you read that in chapter 7, the rock of remembrance, uh, that God delivered us, but we were rather nervous out there without a physical, visible leader. And we don't like being led by an invisible God. We need a visible leader like the rest of the nations. And so uh, against Samuel and out of the timing God had desired, God was going to give them a king eventually, but he didn't want it to be under these conditions. Uh, They moved to make uh, Saul the next uh, king. In chapter 9, they find uh, Saul and he's anointed king. And uh, chapter 10, he leads him into a victory. Uh, 
But by the time you get to chapter 13, he uh, disobeys God by not waiting for Samuel. By chapter 15, uh, Saul has uh, sinned again by not killing off everything God said to kill, ever keeping some of the goods for himself. Chapter 16, God chooses a young boy about 12 years of age, David, to be the next king, although it's going to take 18 years before that comes about. And, uh, and that same chapter, chapter 16, the Spirit of God departs from Saul because God has rejected him as his kind of king, although he leaves him in the office another 18 years. It's kind of scary uh, that God could reject somebody but then retain the office. And so we come to chapter 17. Under a king that God's Spirit has left, and theologically, let's get something straight here. What the Spirit did with Saul, he never does today. Uh, a believer today has been promised once the Spirit's in you, he'll never leave. He can be grieved, he can be uh, quenched, but he doesn't leave. But in the Old Testament, the Spirit, could, the Spirit even came upon unqualified men like Samson. Samson is not the man you really want to pattern your life after, unless you get Delilah on the side. Uh, the spirit can come on a false prophet like Balaam. And he can prophesy and be accurate, but he was a false prophet. But it's, so you had a sovereign work of the spirit in the Old Testament. He did things he doesn't do today. Uh, he works different. But here he had come on Saul, and he's left Saul, and Saul's a troubled man. Evil spirits come and bother him, as we'll see in chapter 16. But when you come to chapter 17, Israel's at a stalemate. For 40 days, the armies of Israel are stalemated because they've come up against the armies of the Philistines. And the Philistines have a champion, which is interesting that David never gives his name. Some believe that Goliath's name meant soothsayer, that he was a psychic, that he was some kind of wizard that was in touch with evil spirits, that his very name may have denoted that. But we, reading the biblical narrative, we have a man that is believed to be nine feet, six inches tall. Uh, nobody playing for the Lakers that tall. Uh, that's, a, that's a tall man. And uh, uh, to be seven feet is mighty tall. But think of this, about nine feet tall. The Dead Sea Scrolls, some have found an estimation of seven feet. So seven to nine feet tall. And we have David. Uh, his dad says, I want you to go and check in on your brothers. Take them some cheese and take them some fruit and go down and see how your brothers are doing. And he goes down there and he checks out what's going on and he doesn't know anything that's happening. And finally, how is the battle? And the joke of the day is no battles going on. For 40 days, this giant has stepped out in this valley that they believe was like an echo chamber and uh, would step out and begin to yell his blasphemies against God and against the armies of God and begin to challenge them. And nobody's responding. Saul is paralyzed up in his tent. The rest of the soldiers are just holding off because the giant has reduced it to this kind of a challenge. Give me your best man, 
and the Philistines will give you their best man, and may the battle of champions decide the day. Let it all be reduced just to two men. And so David comes into this scene, and uh, he's inquiring what's going on. And so verse 20, early in the morning, David left the flock with the shepherd, loaded up and set out as Jesse had directed. He reached the camp as the army was going out to its battle positions, shouting the war cry. Israel and the Philistines were drawing up their lines, facing each other. David left his things with the keeper of supplies, ran to the battle lines and greeted his brothers. As he was talking with them, Goliath, the Philistine champion from Gath, stepped out from his lines and shouted his usual defiance. And David heard it. When the Israelites saw the man, they all ran from him in great fear. Now the Israelites had been saying, do you see how this man keeps coming out? He comes out to defy Israel. The king will give great wealth to the man who kills him. He will also give him his daughter in marriage. I'd want to meet her first, but he was going to do it. And will exempt his father's family from taxes in Israel. Now everybody would go for that, wouldn't they? David asked the men standing near him, what will be done for the man who kills the Philistine and removes this disgrace from Israel? Who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? Notice David does not call him by name and he does not call the army the army of Saul. This is God's army. David took it, not Saul is being embarrassed or routed. We are the people of God. And there's only two armies always in history, the armies of God and the armies of God's enemies. There's only two people forever in history. You're either with God or for him. Whether you're an angel or a human being, you're either for God or against him. Which army do you represent? So, they repeated to him what they had been saying and told him, this is what will be done for the man who kills him. When Eliab, David's older brother, heard him speaking with the men, he was glad he came. No, no, no. You remember, this is Eliab. Uh, he's not impressed with David. He burned with anger at him and asked, why have you come down here? And with whom did you leave those few sheep? Now, is that an insult? My dad wouldn't even trust you with a bunch of sheep. You just got a few. Who, what are you doing? I know how conceited you are and how wicked your heart is. You came down only to watch the battle. Now, what have I done, said David? Does this sound like brothers? Can't I even speak? He then turned away to someone else and brought up the same matter. And the men answered him as before, what David said was overheard and reported to Saul, and Saul sent for him. David said to Saul, now listen, David is right now believed to be, he's a young teenager, some think he's 17 years old. Listen to him talk to the king. Let no one lose heart. Good, the voice of the king. No, this is the voice of a young teenager. 
I'd be amazed if we had a board meeting and they sent a teenage representative to speak this way to the elders. Don't lose heart with us kids. We're going to pull off the church. Who does he think he is? Let no one lose heart on account of this Philistine. Your servant will go and fight him. Saul replied, you are not able to go out against this Philistine and fight him. You are only a boy. And he has been fi a fighting man from his youth. Now you've got to know that uh, Goliath is wearing fish-like armor. Scales were on him that weighed between 150 to 200 pounds. His god was a fish god, Dagon. And Dagon had fallen on its face in 1 Samuel 5. God had already knocked off its god because when Dagon and the ark came together, the idol had to fall on its face. Now, the god of Goliath is Dagon, and he's dressed in fish scales made of metal. Another thing, only the Philistines had iron. All the soldiers in Saul's army had wooden implements, not a, not a steel sword among them. David took Goliath's sword to behead him. Saul and Jonathan had steel weapons. And if you read the narrative in Samuel, they would raid Philistine villages where they were making iron to get steel weapons. This is pre-iron age, but the Philistines have discovered iron. And these Hebrew boys, they've got a very limited arsenal. And so when David sees this man, nine foot six, dressed with 200 pounds of nothing but steel, his spearhead weighed about 25 pounds, and he had a full bodyguard in front of him that the word in the Hebrew for shield was the full length of a human body. So he had a shield bearer in front of him that had a whole blocking weapon there carried by another man. This man is loaded to the hilt. He's got the latest technology for warfare, iron. And a boy comes up with a an old-fashioned, not this kind of a slingshot, but the kind you whirl like that, walks into town. Can you imagine Eliab? What are you doing here? You, you don't know his size. We've measured him. We know how he's armed. And then Saul kindly trying to talk the boy out of a, you know, youth can be idealistic. We can do it when they can't. They usually can do it on your money. And uh, uh, let no one lose heart. Oh, you're not able. You're but a boy. You're going up against a trained soldier with the latest technology. Then David said, your servant has been keeping his father's sheep. When a lion or a bear came and carried off a sheep from the flock, I went after it, struck it, and rescued the sheep from its mouth. When it turned on me, I seized it by its hair, struck it, and killed it. His servant has killed both the lion and the bear. This uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them because he has defied the armies of the living God, the Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion. Now, who delivered? Did David deliver himself or God? 
David said, I did my part, but my ultimate outcome and deliverance was from God. The Lord delivered me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear will deliver me from the hand of the Philistine. Saul still knows how to give a kingly benediction. Go, and the Lord be with you. We'll notify the closest of kin as soon as you leave. But we can at least invoke the name of Yahweh. Go. Oh, by the way, David, you know what will make you a success? What? You need some of my armor. Well, if it's so good, why isn't it working for you? <laughs> then Saul dressed David in his own tunic. Now, Saul is the tallest Israelite alive. It looks like some of our Christmas plays in, with people in oversized bathrobes. He said, what's this? He put on his tunic, he put a coat of armor. Now, can you imagine this? Does anyone know my son-in-law, Jason? He's 6'4". Let's, like, let's just say he loans me his uniform. I may be an awesome man, but uh, moving right on. Uh, David fastened on his sword over the tunic and tried walking around because he was not used to them. I guess so. I cannot go in these. I'm not used to them. So he took them off. Then he took his staff in his hand chose five smooth stones. How do you choose five smooth stones? Up here? He's down here, isn't he? He said, right there on the ground, they say that they probably estimate the stones would be two to four inches. That was common. Maybe, maybe half a pound, maybe a quarter of a pound. Bunch five of them. Some have projected, why five? I think it's for backup ammo, in case he misses. But you do read later on in the narrative in Samuel that Goliath had four brothers. But that never is mentioned here, but it's a nice thought. They kill him later anyway, stones or not. So he gets these five smooth stones from the string, puts them in the pouch of his shepherd's bag. With his sling in his hand, he approached the Philistine. Look at this. The Philistine with a shield bearer in front of him kept coming closer to David, and he looked at David, and he's insulted. This red-haired, ruddy boy who's handsome, and he despised him. Am I a dog that you come with me with sticks? See, the Israelites just had sticks. They didn't have steel weapons. Come on, you got this piece of, you know, walking stick. Shepherd Jews, is that the best? Don't insult me. Give me a challenge. And the Philistine cursed David by his gods. And I guess it's not too bad to use the name of gods that's just been knocked off. But he cursed him by the name of Dagon. Come here, he said, and I'll give your flesh to the birds of the air and the beasts of the field. David said, you come against me with sword and spear and javelin but I've come against you in the name of the Lord Almighty, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. This day the Lord will hand you over to me, and I'll strike you down. Now, this is not a positive thinking course. <laughs> There's a difference between positive thinking and faith. Positive thinkers still can get slayed. 
This day the Lord will hand you over to me and I'll strike you down and cut off your head. What, with a shepherd's staff? I'm so sure of it that I'm going to get what you've got to cut your head off. Because shepherd's staffs don't cut. This is how certain he is. Today I'll give you the carcasses of the Philistines' army to the birds of the air and the beast of the earth, and the whole world will know that there is a God in Israel. You see, David is taking the battle between the gods. My God versus your God. This is not a battle between you and me, ultimately. It's between who I represent and who you represent. My God is going to rout you. Not me, by myself, in my strength, but you've insulted the people of the living God. I'm coming to you in his name. And all those gathered here will know that it is not by sword or spear that the Lord saves, not by might nor by power, for the battle is the Lord's, and he will give all of you into our hands and the Philistine moves closer to attack him. And David runs towards him. He's running. I'm telling you, it's one thing to say what you'll do. But when you run right into the face of the enemy, he's running at him. Whoop! Stone hits him in this remarkable, this young man who taught him this. And he runs up there, throws it. You read in the book of Judges, the Jews were very accurate with these slings. But I'm sure a divine hand was guiding it and put missile speed behind it. And whoo! Hits this giant. Some scholars went so far to say hit him in the leg. I don't know where they came up with that. Hits him, he falls to the ground. And David, to make sure he's dead, runs to him, slings the stone. Hits him on the forehead, and the stone sank into his forehead, and he fell face down on the ground. So David triumphed over the Philistine with a sling and a stone. Without a sword in his hand, he struck down the Philistine and killed him. David ran and stood over him. He took hold of the Philistine's sword and drew it from the scabbard, and he killed him. He cut off his head with the sword. And the Philistines saw that their hero was dead. They turned and ran. My, my, what a story. I never forget hearing it as a boy. Fascinated. Why did God put this story in the Bible? So that God will work out his plan, so that God will reveal his man. God created and allowed a crisis of the two armies to come together. God is going to show that there's always two armies and only can the armies of God conquer when there's somebody that is trusting God. You can be God's people and still be defeated. You can be God's chosen nation and still be routed. You can be God's chosen people and paralyzed in fear when all the time God's looking for somebody who believes that I am bigger than the opposing enemy. And this is Truth For Today with Pastor Phil Howard, the ministry of Valley Bible Church here in Hercules. Thank you for joining us today. It's our prayer that our time together here on Truth For Today encourages you in your walk and relationship with Christ. 
As we close out our broadcast, we would also like to invite you to contact us if you have a question about the broadcast, a prayer request. Maybe you'd like to order a copy of today's broadcast. We do have them available. Simply contact us and let us know of your interest. You can reach us at 855-833-9864. That's 855-833-9864. You are also welcome to write to us. Our address is 1511M Sycamore Avenue. We're here at Suite 278, Hercules, California. Zip code is 94547. Now, another way to contact us and learn more about us would be to visit our website, valleybible.org. It's there that we have all kinds of information about who we are, what we believe, directions to the church, service times. And we also have a lot of resource material stored there as well. Simply go to valleybible.org and spend some time exploring our website, finding out about us a bit more. If you would like to become a TFT sustainer, we would love to hear from you. This broadcast is aired daily here on KFAX as we are able to partner with you, our listeners, financially. Now, as a TFT sustainer, you'll receive a quarterly newsletter, a once-a-year special gift. Take a break with Pastor Phil. Our weekly video devotional is available to you as well. And again, it's all as a TFT sustainer. When you contact us with your gift of any amount, we'll sign you up. 855-833-9864 or valleybible.org. Or you can write to us at 1511 M Sycamore Avenue, Suite 278, Hercules, California, and the zip code is 94547. Thank you for joining us today. Until next time, God bless.